Hello and welcome to Critical Line Item. My name is Tom Bradlick and uh, well, thank you for joining me for this podcast. Now, one of the things that um, always amazes me when I talk to people who are gifted or who might is how they do their work. And I'm talking to someone who's uh, humorous. into writing funny things, whether it be black humour and whatever have you about the way in which a new book called Here Goes Nothing has come about. I'm talking to author Steve Toltz, who was born in Sydney. Um, His first novel was published back in 2008. It's called A Fraction of the Whole. He's had a whole heap of stuff since 2008, and his new book is just about to be published in Australia. And he's talking to me from L.A., and uh, he's also indicated that COVID has struck him. So we'll, we'll talk a bit more about that in a second. Steve, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. Um, let's start with let's start with where you're at. You're sitting in LA and you've been hit with COVID. How are you feeling? Yeah, uh, I'm on day three um, of it so far since the symptoms started. I'm fine. It's just a raspy voice coughing bits, just the usual. But, um, yeah, I'm glad I'm vaccinated, so it's not worse. Oh, that, that, that's, that's good to hear. And before we get into the matter of substance that we need to talk about, mm-hmm. um, there'll be those people who listen to the podcast who won't have come across some of your work before. What? What is your... Co- oh, I'm sorry. Unbelievable. <laughs> What would you? What does your career look like if you had to write it down on the back of an envelope for someone who's never met you before? Um, well, I guess I would say, I mean, in one word, writer. You know, it feels like a it feels like a vocation. So it feels like a, a description of my personality, of the type of human being I am. Um, you know. Um, it's sort of if I would, you know, I would describe myself as male Australian writer. Those would be like the three uh, defining characteristics. When did you begin to sense you had this um, feeling for the written word? When did this start for you? Um, it started pretty young. I definitely, uh, when I was a kid, writing was definitely my default hobby. So, you know, I couldn't draw. I wasn't that great at sports. Um, You're not the only one, says the person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, and and so, yeah, I always liked to, you know, I read a lot as a kid and, um, you know, I was one of those creative life stories where I I had some illnesses as a child. So I spent periods in hospital and, and just periods stricken uh, for, for one thing or another. And so that sort of, you know, luckily there were no, you know, iPads and video games because I'm sure I would have just done that, but instead I read a lot. Um, And then, yeah, I, I think just, um, 
as, as a creative expression, as something to do. I, yeah, I used to write little stories. So it was always just the, the, the fun thing that I did um, as a kid. And then as I kind of developed in my 20s, I was more interested in film. I thought I wanted to uh, be a filmmaker. Um, so I kind of, I, I made some short films and worked as a cameraman for a little while. And, um, and then when I, I dropped my camera in the, in the Sydney Harbour and it, and it sunk to the bottom, um, I got the insurance money and went overseas, went to Spain and, and uh, just started writing short stories, um, trying to enter into competitions to make a bit of money. I never won any, but it just became, uh, it became clear to me that the stories I was writing could be joined together to make a novel. And then I just kind of dived in and that sort of became my thing. You mentioned the, the fact you read a lot when you were sort of growing up for various reasons, and I'm, I'm a bit the same way. Um, what sort of books drew you closer to them? What what what, what were the what were the things that appealed to you most? Um, which writers did you read the most? Well, as a kid, I mean, Roald Dahl was definitely. <laughs> probably the most important writer for me as a kid because you know I remember yeah I read you know all the kids books but then we had all the other books as well so just going from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory to like My Uncle Oswald and which is you know this or Switch Bitch which are kind of very adult stories um yeah, yeah and I, I mean and so I, I, I mean, I, revolting rhymes was one that circulated in, in in my primary school days amongst kids. Yeah, and I and you know, Roald Dahl is remembered, you know, for his kid stories, and then for his adult stories, he's remembered for those ones which have like a twist in the tail at the, the with the trick endings. But um, he actually was a great uh, writer of character, and he he wrote kind of these kind of very obsessive types of people, and I, I feel that. Um, that I picked up a lot from from that. It it um it made me kind of want to do character portraits. Um, and then there were like you know I got into I was into sort of um, my dad used to have this collection of old sci-fi kind of they weren't magazines but those kind of um, just ones with little short stories in them. I don't know what you call them, um, but he had. He had like 50 of them. So I read a lot of those kind of um, Isaac Asimov and Ray Bradbury stories and um, got really into that. Um, I remember Catch-22 was a big thing for me. I can always remember which books were important because afterwards I would write, I would try to write in that style. So I had, I had a story that was, you know, just imitating Joseph Heller and I had my Roald Dahl imitation stories and um, my sci-fi imitation stories. So, you know, that's, that's definitely like learning by imitation. I, I think is still the only way to learn any art form. This is a convenient point to segue into your latest work. Here goes nothing. Um, how much of 
the influence of, of the Roald Dahls and similar authors is peppered throughout this because as I look through the book, I can see this, this sort of sharp uh, wit, this observational type, uh, type tone throughout. How much of that do you think, you know, lives within the words of that you've put together here? Um, well, I was definitely, I mean, those authors I was mentioning were probably like influenced me to to love writing but then you know there's a whole nother you know I mean I'm I'm almost 50 so there's a whole a whole um other ream of writers that um influenced my writing uh more now like the French um writer Celine is a big influence uh on me the Austrian writer Thomas Bernard um the American writer uh, Dennis Johnson and um, John Fonte. Um, so I guess there's a point where it, it is hard to know where, um, you know, whether you, whether voice, my voice um, is just um, my style, you know, voice and style are kind of interchangeable in, um, in a way. Um, and certainly any story that I try to tell, whether it's something really dark or some little simple thing, I mean, it does, I can't, you know, you can't get away from yourself. Uh, uh, and so um, how much of it, yeah, it's, it's hard to say, how, it's hard to separate how much is from all the reading I've done in my life and how much is now just me. Every, everything connecting, uh, everything connecting together. Now, yeah. the, the, the unique thing listeners should keep in mind about this book is that the first chapter actually begins with the begin with one one sentence, and that is the beginning of the end. Mm-hmm. I, I sat back and I thought about that. Now, without giving too much away in terms of plot, you know, while that is the first thing I see. It's not necessarily the first thing you wrote. No. Am I right? Oh yeah. Yeah. The beginning beginnings of book are, are um books are often the last things you write. Not in the, not in this case. This case it probably came around the middle. So the first thing I see popped up in your mind in the middle of the process of writing. Yeah, I mean, I feel like um, I I write the scene, like the the um, the substance of the scene, the you know whatever the main action is with the the the, the interactions of the characters. Um, but and even though I don't mind reading it, I don't I don't love writing. Um, you know, I don't love a scene that just starts with dialogue and you have no way to know where you are until you catch up. Um, okay. So I feel as a reader, I need to give some kind of preface and introduction and whether it's a description of, um, you know, of setting or something like that. But that is not what I will write first. I will write just the, you know, the, the core action of the scene or the, yeah, the core interactions. And then you'd, you'd, 
the either or the, the the centerpiece, if you will, and then you sort of craft it. Yeah, it's like I'm trying. You know, I I first of all, I'm kind of drawn. I'm I'm motivated by the impulse to tell a story. So I'm just trying to tell a story. But then, at the same time, you're trying to create the like the platonic ideal of the book. And so in my mind, I mean, like I, as I'm writing through, I will know, for instance, then that some action needs a break and there'll need to be a description of, 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 of something. And so I, you know, in my rough drafts, there's even like lines that say, write description of sky here later or something where, you know, <laughs> yeah. because I, because I know in the, in the, uh, in the best version of this book, there would be a beautiful description here. Um, it's just, you know, I, and it's, yeah. you, it, but it's just not, your mind's not, I guess at that point when you've said, I need a, I need a lovely, almost pastel, or the word equivalent of the literary equivalent of a, of a pastel painting of a sky. And you're not quite there, are you, at that point to write that? Uh, well, not only that, um, that's not my natural mode as a writer. Like, that's, that's not my, like, natural gifts. So, you know, you can't, you can't be good at everything. And so... You know, it's like it's like it's like I need Tim. I need to call Tim Winton in here to um, add some add some <laughs> great descriptions. You know, of, of the Australian landscape. But you know, but I know the story needs it, so I just kind of have to rise to the challenge um, and make sure that that is there and that I do it. But it's not. It's up. It's it's that's the part that I consider like work without giving too much away in terms of spoilers. Mm -hmm. Can you describe Angus Mooney to me? Uh, yeah, Angus uh, is the narrator of um, this story. He is, um, I guess I would say that he is a petty criminal. Um, he's one of those people who you could almost say the best thing about them is the person who loves them. Um, you know, the, 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 the best thing he, he's done in his life really is, is to find the woman that he ends up marrying. Um, and he's also very incurious and there's a kind of, he has a kind of, his highest virtue is not understanding the world in which he lives. Um, which is something that I enjoyed writing because you know I, I have this I have this feeling that we're we're all kind of over how do I say it that we're all over informed about a small number of things um, and so I wanted to have a character who who is not as knowledgeable about the world that he he lives in especially considering where he's going to go in this book. It's an interesting observation you make that the character that you wanted to build somebody that um, has a it doesn't have that intensity of or the an insatiable wish to just know as much as possible. Yeah. 
I'm yeah, because sure which is which is what was that? <laughs> um, that's kind of the opposite of of me. You know, I mean, I I do want to know everything. Um, yeah, he definitely. Um, you know, I, I also I wanted someone who sort of who has a natural intelligence, um, though isn't isn't well read particularly. Um, you know, that just basically you know confronts the world on on his own terms and understands it through his just own instincts rather than you know over intellectualization or um or anything like that but interestingly it also gives the character somewhere to go doesn't it yeah because he, because he if you don't have if you in 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 the true traditions of behind the scenes and special features and everything else, um, it gives the character somewhere to go, because yeah. the because if the if the character is uh, developed in every possible way, what do you do with them? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Where do you take them? Where's the journey of self discovery in a book like? Like this, um, there are passages that there are passages throughout the book, and, and that are hysterically funny. Um, Thank you. How long, or how much work, rather, do you have to put into the humorous side? And we spoke earlier about you know the crafting the scenes and everything else. How much of the crafting um, the funny stuff um, takes place, you know, throughout. Do you have to go back to some of that and refine it some more or or do you look at it and go, that's fine for the moment, let's... Yeah, I mean, that part isn't work and I put no effort into that. Um, <laughs> that's what that's what comes out. now. I mean, the, the work is toning it down and taking you know, taking the stuff out because um, I still want to tell a story with characters that you can believe in, with emotions that you can feel, and you can't have that riddle, you know, otherwise it becomes like a, a joke book. Um, so, so, the, it, so, I mean, I've gotten, you know, I think, you know, I don't think you become a better writer through different books. I think that every book needs its own, Thing, but I think I've got better at finding a balance between between humor and just sort of telling the story and letting the characters like live. Um, but no, that's that's the kind of thing that just comes out naturally, and it's not doesn't really happen in my head. And because I still write by hand, and so it just happens when the pen hits the notebook, kind of thing. Like it's just the way that it's about the construction of of the sentences. And it's the placement of words. It's a yeah. It's um, it's. I guess that goes back to it being just part of the style, which is now um, you know, uh, you know, just part of me as a writer. So there's a bit of the funny stuff that you didn't put in. It didn't keep in here because oh, it lots didn't that it didn't necessarily fit with where you wanted to go. Yeah, and it was distracting or it was, you know, I mean, I definitely cut out stuff that's, 
that was too gaggy or, you know, I mean, I, I very much for me, writing is the very much like the pleasure principle. So like I do write to amuse myself, which is the thing I did as a kid. Um, and mostly I believe that if I enjoy writing it, people will enjoy reading it. Um, though that's more like a bonus, but, um, you know, I, I also, again, in crafting the story, you you still, you have to have, um, what's the word? Like your, your, your devotion, your priority has to be the flow of the story. Mm -hmm. One of the things I asked an author I interviewed not so long ago. Uh, in fact, it's Jane Cara, who's also running yeah. for the Senate in the federal election, was what, oh. what the key themes were that um, she as an author wanted to explore in the book, uh, given style and given character. What are the key themes that you wanted to tease out in Here Goes Nothing? Um, I guess I have a few things. Uh, the main one, which isn't, you know, which is, which is a part of the book. It isn't everything in the book, but, um, I was interested in, in my mind, this was kind of the third book in a very loose, it is my third book, but it is also the third book in a very loose, um, trilogy, which I, in my mind is a trilogy of about fear, so my first book is about the fear of death and my second book is about the fear of suffering. And then this book is about another fear, which is the fear of the, opin- of the opinions of other people, um, which, which I think is a, is a key motivating fear, um, which motivates human behavior. Um, so that's one of them. And, and, and I kind of found a way to, you know, to explore this, by putting it in a, I guess, a, an existential context. Mm-hmm. What It's interesting that you, you, you highlight the issue of the fear of opinions of others because we are in a climate, aren't we, where um, people expose themselves to a greater universe yeah, a greater universe of others um, through social media, people they've never met before, yeah. uh, people who might call them nasty things online. It, yeah. uh, did that theme uh, emerge as a part of reflection on the contemporary world, the social media interaction, the the way in which people seem to crave some kind of approval online? Very much so. You know, I went, I went to an event recently. I'm living at the moment temporarily in Los Angeles. And I went to an event um, where a group of screenwriters have put together this um, climate handbook for um for for TV and film writers. And the argument is basically that their argument was that every story that is told should be a climate story. And every time it's pitched, every time it, every time 
it's pitched. They're always told, well, you know, the, oh, is this science fiction? And, and their view is that it's science fiction not to talk about the climate. Now, they're, they're trying to raise awareness for climate, but I, I, I sort of get the point is that the world is, has changed somewhat um, and it will continue to be so because of climate change. Um, and so in some way, every story kind of, if you're going to write about the contemporary world, every story needs to address the climate in some way. I'm, I'm not that extreme about it, but I, I think in the same way, every story in some way, you know, if you're going to be sort of faithful to the world we live in, has to include social media. It's just, you know, we're a planet of pathetically addicted people to this new kind of drug and, um, you know, I mean, the percentage of hours that we spend of our, of our waking lives, you know, checking, you know, you know, we're, we're sort of part cyborg where, you know, we've already got these phones, which are extensions of ourselves. Um, that's just, it's just hardware. It's just not built in um, yet. Um, and so, yeah, it's, I mean, it is the, it is the air we breathe. It's the water we swim in. And, and so I definitely, it's definitely a part of it. And I know, and I struggle with it as, as, as much as anyone. And I've never met a human being in the last decade who, who hasn't or isn't. It's interesting that we, uh, that, 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 that forms a part of the thinking in the book, there's a lot of stuff in there, and I encourage people to, to take the time to read it. But the, the last thing I wanted to touch on with you, because you are um, Australian-born and bred, you're living overseas at the moment, doing screenwriting yeah. and other things. How does your home country look from a distance? What do you... What are you seeing at the moment that concerns you, that pleases you? Is there anything, is there anything you observe from afar that's, uh, that's kind of, of interest? Well, I mean, it's, it's certainly shifted in the, in the last couple of years because, you know, first there were the, you know, the fires, which were very, you know, concerning. And, um, and then there was the, you know, the first... I don't know how much six months year of COVID where Australia looked like, you know, um, the Holy land. <laughs> um, and certainly it was brutal being here during um, the, like the Northern hemisphere winter watching, you know, looking at Instagram posts of my friends at the beach um, and everyone out and about. And then of course, you know, you, Delta came and lockdowns and uh, and then uh, it, it it kind of told a different story. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know, I I don't know where it's at now, but um, you know, it, it's it's strange because um, depending on who you talk to, Australia seems you know like um, the land of milk and honey, or it, you know, there's certainly some people uh, can see it, you know, or, or the, the COVID measures as draconian or um, whatever. I'm, I feel it's, I feel like it's, it's not that 
different and we're all just in sort of slightly different stages of it. And I'm, you know, I'm hoping it'll all be over one of these days. I've been talking to Steve Tolts, who's an Australian author currently based in the United States. He has a new book called Here Goes Nothing. It's a novel and it is hilarious in parts and explores some necessary issues. Steve, where can people get the book? Um, people can get the book, I guess, wherever you can get books in Australia. <laughs> uh, so your Dimixes, your online book, Booktopia? Is that, is yeah, that the right well, thing? You've got, you've got, well, we've got Booktopia, you've got all the bookstores around the place. And, and, yeah, uh, obviously. Ho- hopefully, hopefully everywhere. I, I don't know where, where they're stuck here. <laughs> now, have you got a where you've... Uh, have you got a website people can go to to learn more about your previous work and your screenwriting? Um, no, I did. It's run. It's it expired, and I haven't renewed it. Uh, I have three books, uh, so that that's all you need to know. A fraction of the whole quicksand, and here goes nothing. That's that's all you need to know about me. <laughs> Steve, thank you so much for, for talking with me today, especially given that you're, you're a bit under the weather. Thanks. It's great, great to chat to you. Not a problem.